Hey Boilermakers, welcome to Season 5 of the Success Express. I'm Jordan Ingram, and I'm so glad you're listening in. In each episode, we discuss all the questions we have as students and job seekers. We're talking about online interviews, internships, virtual career fairs, and how to put your best foot forward during a global pandemic. We're not only tackling the hard questions, but are here to encourage you to make the most out of your college experience. Although our conversations will be happening over the phone this season, I promise it will not take away from all the amazing advice and personal experiences our guests will share. I am so excited for all that the season has in store, and I hope you guys are ready, because all aboard the Success Express. Today's guest is Veronica Rahim. Veronica is a Senior Career Services Consultant here at the Purdue CCO. As a consultant, she helps students find their passions in future jobs. Have you ever been asked an interview question that starts with, tell me about a time when, fill in the blank. These are called behavioral-based questions, and in my opinion, they're always tricky to answer. Because unlike traditional questions that may ask for you to list your strengths or your weaknesses, behavioral questions call for students to describe specific times that they have had to overcome problems using specific skills or working groups. Veronica's on the show today because she's going to talk about how behavioral-based questions can be answered through using the STAR method. The STAR method is a great approach as it can help communicate students' skills and capabilities to an interviewer. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Veronica. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited for this conversation we're having today. And I was really looking for someone who teaches this to someone or who could give advice and has experience with these kind of interview questions. So thank you. No, absolutely. So let's kind of just jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and really what is your role at the CCO for anyone who doesn't know? Sure. So again, I'm really, really excited to be here, especially being someone who has been in the field of career services for the past 12 years. The time has really flown by. You know, prior to working in career services, I was a student at Savannah State University studying for a BBA in business management as an undergraduate student. And then I actually secured an MED in higher education and student affairs at the University of South Carolina, Columbia. And so being a career services consultant, essentially I'm working with students all the time regarding their career development, their major exploration, their job search. Mm -hmm. I often conduct presentations to groups of students and classes, also do a lot of collaboration with other colleagues across campus. And also work with employers to, you know, really help them in providing resources and recommendations to help them best recruit students and alumni for the positions that they are trying to fill. So it's a really, really great profession, and I, I love working in career services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love when you go into detail about your position. I don't think students fully understand that all that you guys offer for students and then also your connections with employers. So if any of our students are lost with what they want to do with their life or don't know how to start job searching, like highly recommend going to the CCO website. This is our little plug to go meet with a consultant. They do online meetings and mm-hmm. they could really kind of help guide you through this whole process. Absolutely. Yes. We're so excited to help students and, and really love it. So be in good hands. <laughs> awesome. So 
Can you talk to us a little bit about the STAR method? For any of our listeners who have never heard of what STAR is, kind of what does it stand for and what does it pretty much mean? Sure. So basically, the STAR method is a really effective formula that anyone can apply to what are called behavioral interviewing questions. It really allows those individuals who are using it to set up the answers in a real clear and logical manner. Uh, so the STAR method is it's basically an acronym when you think of STAR. The S stands for situation, the T is task, the A is action, and the R is result. In that order, it's really important. So basically, when you're starting with a situation, you're, you're setting up the scenario for whoever is asking you interview questions for a particular job or, you know, if you're going into an application for membership in an organization, you know, they're, they're wanting you to set up the scenario. You're sharing the key players. You're referring to the main issue at hand. Um, and then in moving to the task, you're basically sharing insight on your individual role of addressing that situation or solving that problem or coming to a conclusion. And this is a really great place to share if you took initiative or if you had to collaborate and, and what your role was in that, or even if you were assigned to take care of a particular task, that's a great place to set that up. Mm-hmm. Also, the action allows you the opportunity to go into detail about the steps you took to rectify a problem, um, but maybe it wasn't a problem. Maybe it was a new idea that you're implementing. So you actually have an opportunity to, to share some detail about the specific steps you took to carry the action out. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the result. This is my favorite part because <laughs> it's oftentimes the forgotten about step or um, the left out step, but it's actually the most important part of the STAR method. And it's a really important opportunity to highlight results rendered due to your efforts. And also, you know, some people may find that they have a hard time with the R part, the result part, because maybe something you shared about is still ongoing and the results aren't completely rendered. Mm -hmm. But I would say don't use that as a cop-out to do the star method, S-T-A, and not the star (laughs) method. Um, Instead, you know, why don't you talk about some of the lessons that you've learned along the way or or some of the things that you've learned about your strengths and skills or even how you work with other people. Don't leave the employer hanging on that part just because you don't have things to share about the results rendered if you're in that position. Instead, replace that with the lessons learned. Mm -hmm. Thanks for kind of walking through pretty much a roadmap. I love how you just described like doing steps in order. Think of the S, then you go to the T, then the A, and the R. And I love how you also went into detail about what happens in certain scenarios. So what happens if your tasks like were assigned instead of ones that you initiated yourself? Kind of where to put those details in to best highlight your strengths and depict it in a way um, that best represents yourself in front of a recruiter or employer. So I think that's just really helpful for people who are just starting out with this process to kind of understand how it's built and then how it's adaptive to their certain circumstances. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about what kind of questions prompt students to use the STAR method? What are those key words that students should automatically refer to this format? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, let me start from kind of that broad perspective. I like how you say, you know, what are those key words? Because essentially, if you can kind of keep your ear keen to certain ways that certain questions kind of start out, then a lot of times you, you are already kind of in tune with that possibility of that behavioral question being asked of you. So, for example, keep your ear out for things that sound like, give me an example of a time when, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Or tell me about an instance when, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Or another example would be describe a situation in which you, or was there ever a time you had to, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you'll find, Jordan, is that employers will fill in the blank with just a wide variety of situations and scenarios that, that people can pull from. So for example, I'll just kind of fill in some of those blanks to, to make it clear to all of our listeners today. One question might be something like, tell me about a time you led a team on a project. Another might be, uh, give me an example of a time you had to learn an unfamiliar technology quickly to complete an assignment. Mm-hmm. And another might be something like describe a time when you had to persuade a person on a team to uh, pursue an idea that you had and that was different than an idea that they had, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, as you hear the different types of questions I'm just throwing out, one common thread that, that all of us need to keep in mind is that these employers are asking specific questions that force you to make reference to your past. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hey, I would just say, if you want to get an idea of even more questions or different things that, that you can keep in mind for what might be asked of you, just do a quick Google search even to mm-hmm. see um, the list upon list of sample behavior interview questions. Um, and you can even refer to even our CCO handbook to get some question samples as well. But the bottom line is the key thing you're listening out for is when they're asking you to give a specific example to reference your past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you so much for kind of giving us the other piece of the puzzle. I love that we first approached defining what STAR is, and now we need to learn where to apply it. So I love that you gave both examples, um, kind of like a template of tell me about a time, fill in the blank, but then also filling the template so then students can see how diverse these questions can be and how tricky it could be because, like you said, this is not a vague answer that a student can necessarily prepare always for. This is something that a student needs to be able to provide specific, applicable experiences from their past on the spot to an interviewee. And yes, there's always going to be questions that are more common than others when it comes to the STAR method of like, tell me about a time when you worked in a group or tell me about a time when you took leadership of a project. So Mm -hmm. those you could definitely prepare for, but then there's also ones where they could get super specific and that's kind of where students need to just understand the structure inside and out and then apply. And I'll just add, Jordan, I really like how, you know, you you mentioned kind of this dichotomy of there are situations where you can't always prepare in advance, but having this formula essentially is going to allow you to to fill in those gaps. But then you also provided the secondary dichotomy that there might be some instances where you do have some examples, you know, that you thought of to help you prepare. But with, with that in mind, you know, when you have a question that's being asked of you and you're not quite sure what to say, it is okay to pause and think about your answer. Think about what example makes 
the, the best sense for you to fill in that gap and to answer that question most effectively. And then go ahead and execute your answer with confidence. Um, and it's okay to even use a little um, pausing language that allows you to let the employer know that you're thinking by simply saying something like, wow, that's a great question. I like to take a moment to think about that. You take your mm-hmm. moment to think about it, and then you answer accordingly with the best supportive evidence and an answer that you have using the STAR method. So I just wanted to add that as well. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point that I think myself included when a recruiter is asking a question, I want to answer as quickly as I can to show how confident and prepared I am. But sometimes the biggest strength is taking a moment to collect your thoughts and not just go head first in the first thing that comes into your mind, but kind of picking, like you said, the best scenario or option or experience that could answer that question. So sometimes it's so hard when you're in that nervous moment to think, oh, I need to slow down my talking. I need to pause before I answer a question to prepare. But sometimes that is the smartest move to make. So I think that's really important to bring up. Yeah, yeah. So now that we kind of have the two pieces of the puzzle or both parts, the questions that recruiters may ask and how you should approach answering those questions, can you kind of give us an example of both of a question and what a strong response would be using the STAR method? Oh, wow, that's a really, really good question, Jordan. Okay, I'm going to throw out the question, and then I will be two people in one for you. (laughs) I'm going to throw out the question, and then I'll go ahead and answer it as if I were in the interview. So the question I would like to throw out is, give me an example of a time in which you were working on a project, and its direction needed to be completely shifted. Hmm. And I honestly, Jordan, I think that's a perfect question, considering we are in a season of pivoting um, in the middle of a pandemic, so... Mm -hmm. uh, So this definitely might be a question that someone may be asked. So my answer to that would be using the STAR method, keeping this in mind. So during my tenure as president-elect of the American Association for Employment and Education, also known as AAAE, I served last year as chair of the National Conference Planning Committee. And our conference was scheduled to take place in October 2020 in Louisville, Kentucky for three days. And about nine months out from that date, we began to think as a committee very seriously about the potential need to reconsider having an in-person conference. And we're talking hundreds of people uh, that typically attend this conference. So this decision is going to affect a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, I was leading a team and collaborating with a very forward-thinking committee of educators from across the country, and I was in good company because I consider myself a very forward-thinking educator as well, and we all shared our ideas and insights for consideration, and as the chair of this committee, I led the effort to communicate with the AAAE board uh, very regularly via meetings and in written reports about our team's plan of action. And so I solicited information within the committee that helped drive questions for a survey that we developed, which I drafted alongside the conference committee uh, co-chair, the executive director, and the strategic marketing manager to basically gauge our membership capabilities. 
And so basically, you know, after receiving survey responses, leading several more meetings with our planning committee and speaking to the board, I led the decision to pivot from an in-person to that very first virtual conference. Mm -hmm. So in conclusion of all of this, we identified a really, really robust virtual platform to have our conference on. We began to shift the way we began to market and creatively market that virtual conference. And we conducted a very successful event that had over 20 breakout sessions, almost 300 attendees, three keynotes and a student panel. And, you know, at a conference, it's important to have some fun too, right? So we had a virtual dance party and a professional magician. It was a great time to have all. (laughs) So at the end of the day, you know, we had membership turnover, additional membership from new members from conference attendance. And we had increased leadership involvement from several of the members who also attended our conference. So at the end of the day, it was a great event. And I also enhanced some of my leadership skills as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is every student's dream for a response for a question. Um, <laughs> and it's so cool that even after the beginning of this conversation where you say the results are usually where students forget, but it's actually the most important. I definitely recognized when you started talking about your results, and that's really the most impactful part of the STAR method. So I think that's really cool and really important for students. If you didn't catch it, go back a couple minutes and re-listen again and try to catch when Veronica was starting to talk about your results, because that's definitely where you see all the time and planning and efforts kind of pretty much, yeah, what was the result? How did you make an impact? So that was awesome. And, and, you know, one thing I'd like to also just kind of share is that you're going to notice that when it comes to behavioral interviewing questions, the questions in which you're thoroughly using the STAR method, these questions are by nature lengthier than other questions that have a shorter time span of answering. So, so traditionally, the time span of an interview question answer is going to be anywhere from 20 seconds to two minutes. Mm-hmm. can be either a very short answer depending on, you know, how direct the question is versus something that says, give me an example of a time when. Mm-hmm. And so you'll notice that in the answer that I provided you, because of the level of detail, I was closer to that two-minute mark, if not right at that two-minute mark, of providing insight about my experience mm-hmm. um, to provide that story in full for the employer to really get a sense of my leadership style They got a sense that I like fun. You know, I threw in something in there Mm -hmm. about fun. They got a sense of how I collaborate with others and communicate effectively with others. They got all these different things from one answer to one question. And so I wanted to throw that out there as well. Yeah. No, and I think you make a really great point that when you're using this method, you're not sometimes just answering the question, but you're giving more information about other strengths and personality traits that might be helpful and give you an edge up against other people who are answering the same question. So exactly. That's exactly. So the next question I have for you is kind of flipping the script a little bit because we're always we're right now we've been focusing on more of the student perspective. But I was kind of wondering, in your opinion, why do you think that companies like asking the star method? Mm, Yeah. That is a great, great flip to the script, and it's an important flip, Jordan, so I'm glad we're going there. You know, I'm really glad that I don't have to answer this question from my limited thinking, but I can actually answer this question from 
what employers have been saying for years. And I know how you students think. You like to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> you know, a lot of times as career services professionals are like your parents. Like, you don't listen to us as much. But you will listen to the employers because those are the ones who are going to hire you. So I get it, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, my feelings are not hurt. <laughs> so the reason why behavioral interviewing is so regularly used and liked and appreciated by employers is because I would say, number one, employers are convinced that your past performance is highly indicative of your future behavior. Mm -hmm. So for them, that's, that's, you know, pretty much, um, you know, what they believe tried and true. But part of that is, is number two grounded in, in data. For example, there was an HR column out of a Columbus Business Journal that referenced that studies have shown that these interviews achieve up to 87% reliability in predicting job performance. Hmm. So the data of the results rendered as to, you know, the, the outcomes of the hiring that they have where they're seeing, okay, this person is telling me this is how they perform and this is the type of performance that's going to work well at my company in my department, then this is a great indicator that this person is a good fit for me. That just goes to show that they really appreciate kind of this this heightened ability for candidates to prove um, their candidacy through highlighting their past experiences rather than, you know, being too generic and general in the way you answer questions. Yeah, I love the two points you use to kind of answer that question that first off that students could say whatever they want um, about them being a good worker, but yeah, where's the evidence? Where's the proof? I definitely see how employers like these questions over just tell me about your strengths or something along those lines. And then secondly, I really love how you talk or you use data to support your answer that using these questions have proved to be great indicators of great workers, responsible workers, great perspective hires for even upper management and movement too. I think that's just very promising that the data has shown that people who use these questions have found qualified and skillful individuals. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, one thing I will always share with students is that you can be asked, you know, three behavioral questions or 10 behavioral questions or even one. But at the end of the day, the question that an employer is really trying to get the answer to is whether or not you are a good fit for mm-hmm. their company. And so the way in which you answer those questions and the, and the detail and the story that you provide regarding your candidacy are basically answering that question for that employer about mm-hmm. you being the best fit. And so that's why that, that data and, and that reference about past performance really showing future behavior is really helping that employer determine whether or not you as a candidate are, in turn, the best Mm -hmm. fit for what they're looking for. Yeah, and I think that's a really cool perspective, too, that it might be so intimidating seeing and having to answer all these questions, but when it all comes down to it, that's essentially the question any employer or recruiter is trying to answer. Sure. So another question I have for you is how can students prepare or practice for these behavioral questions? We kind of talked about it in the beginning that some questions you're just not going to know until you're in the interview room. They're, they're going to be so specific to the job that you're applying for that your chances of guessing it would be just slim to none. But how can yeah. students be proactive still 
in preparing for these questions? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Jordan. And, you know, I just want to take a quick moment to acknowledge that, you know, the interviews sometimes can feel like an intimidating, you know, uh, space that you're about to go into. And, you know, a lot of people sometimes are, are very uh, disheartened about, oh, my goodness, I have to interview. I'm so nervous. Mm-hmm. And that nervousness is normal. You know, it actually gives you good adrenaline. So use that to your, your benefit. But one thing I want to encourage you all is that each of you have a story. Um, you have something and, some, and multiple things to share about what makes you a good candidate. And that's why the interview is so special. Mm-hmm. And so I want to empower you all to think about that and know that one way in particular that you could prepare for an interview is Yes, you know, you're not going to know every question that's going to be asked of you. You may, you know, do all this preparation in advance. But one thing you do know is your story. Mm. So I would say create a list or for those of you who like spreadsheets, create a spreadsheet. If you like the journal, pull out your journal and write some things down that I'm going to share with you. If you're someone who likes to do the notes on your phone, use that. But what you want to do is you want to create a list of experiences you've had that relate to working on a team, whether it be working collaboratively on a team and what your role was, or even if you served in a leadership capacity on a team, come up with an example of that. Jot down an example of a time where you had to problem solve through something, maybe a project, or if you had to be very creative in nature on another project or within another situation or scenario, maybe write down another um, reference to your experience of having to work through a challenging situation, some type of difficult situation, Mm -hmm. or maybe even working with difficult people. (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe write down another example of a time where you had to teach someone something or guide someone through a situation or persuade someone. The reason why you're referring to examples in your own head prior to an interview of your own past experiences is because what you're doing is you're creating an arsenal of stories for you to be prepared to answer just about any question that's asked of you, depending on what that question is. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way for you to go in very prepared and you having processed in advance what your professional stories look like, what your academic stories look like. The bottom line is you're pulling from these scenarios so that, again, you're already prepared for whatever types of questions that are being presented to you. Another thing that you can do to prepare is utilize a technology that you are not having to pay for, but it is fully available to you. So on your MyCCO account, There's a service called Big Interview. It's a platform that allows you to practice your interviewing skills virtually on your own. It's an on-demand service. So if you're up at 3 in the morning and you can't sleep and, you know, you got an interview coming up in the next week, go ahead and knock out a big interview. Mm -hmm. Um, You can register on that account and you can do a customized set of interview questions that you can pull from specific categories. Or you can just have the system have at it and ask you 10 random questions. It's a system that is set up that you can control, you know, maximizing the the use of setting up a mock interview. And then also you can set up a mock interview through a CCO using Boiler Connect to actually engage with, with a consultant to go through that mock interview process and 
practice some interviewing skills, you can even say, you know what, I have a couple of questions that I hope you can ask me so we can practice these specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I've referenced before the CCO handbook. Again, in the interview and career fair prep section, there's lots of um, questions and resources for you, again, to continue to practice and prepare for using the STAR method. So these are a few things I would highly recommend, and I think it would make any person who's apprehensive about the interview process feel more confident and prepared for and hopefully securing that opportunity. Yeah, and I think it's amazing how many different opportunities you gave answering this question. Every Anything from more of a reflective and personal task of like just writing down on your own, your own stories and responses to common questions, to mm-hmm. finding the free resources that Purdue offers. It all might sound like a lot, but it truly, there's just small free ways for you to just get that practice in. And I think that's the best way for you to become more comfortable and confident in your own skills. And like you said before, Veronica, these are all just stories. So if you're a storyteller, the more and more you tell it, the more and more you're going to become confident and kind of know how to navigate that story. So I really hope all our students know that these are useful, resourceful materials that are literally at your fingertips. You just need to start typing on your computer and you'll find it, I promise. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very true. Yes. Well, I am so appreciative of this conversation, Veronica. I think the STAR method is something that is so useful and so applicable with the kind of questions that recruiters are going to ask. So before yeah. we do leave, though, we have one question that I ask all of our guests on the show. Okay. And it's just, can you tell us about a time that you have failed? It could be in school. It could be with your job right now for the CCO. It could be any time in between. And how did you learn from that experience? And how did you grow? It's mm, a great question. Definitely going to need some time to think about that. And I know I have failed. Don't get me wrong. I know how I felt. I just want to give a good example. So the example that I would like to share actually is from my time as an undergraduate student at Savannah State University. And it's interesting because, you know, I am a career services consultant working in career services, um, doing, you know, quite well in this role and, and really in, uh, believe in everything that we, we preach here and that we really try to present to students as strategies and, and, you know, ways to be successful. But I can say that I was a student who did not fully utilize the career center when I was an undergraduate student. And, you know, I was very involved on campus and definitely serving in leadership roles and doing well. But when it came time to um, move forward and have a job secured and lined up and everyone was coming to me and saying, oh, Veronica, you know, we know you're going to be successful. Like, what are you doing after graduation? Honestly, I didn't have a plan. I hadn't really solidified, you know, what was next for me and hadn't applied to hardly any positions. I, all I could really think about is I, I think I just want to rest and, you know, really kind of regroup from the four years of being fully committed to all of the things that I was a part of. I was actually pretty exhausted. And that exhaustion coupled with, again, not really seeking out advice and insight from 
from the many mentors that I had at the time, as well as, again, my career services office, I pretty much graduated with no job and no real clear, fine plan to move forward with with my next steps. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at home at my parents' house and pretty much eating, sleeping, and starting over the next day, like for two months. <laughs> and it wasn't really until, you know, like I said, a couple months went by where I finally felt rested enough to really uh, bounce back and I would say recover from, and to me, the, the failure of this story really was putting everything on my own shoulders and not reaching out to the resources and people that, you know, I had great relationships with, whether it's professors, mentors, Mm -hmm. career services, even my parents. Like I didn't even really ask my parents or people in my family, you know, what they thought I'd be good at or give me advice. I just didn't seek out advice from anyone. Mm -hmm. And I put a lot on my own shoulders to try to figure out my next steps. And it wasn't until the light bulb went off that, you know, I need to reach back out to a mentor of mine, the vice president of student affairs at the time, Dr. Randy Gunter, to set up an informational interview with him, even though it really wasn't a, it was a conversation because we, we were, you know, we had a relationship. Uh-huh. But essentially, for those who don't know, when you're going to someone to ask them questions about career or, you know, particular advice in a certain direction, that essentially is an informational interview. Mm-hmm. And so I set that up and it really set the stage for, for the next phase of my life where I began to apply to graduate programs to pursue student affairs um, as a profession. And then I landed into learning about career services. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, for me, failures for me always align with putting too much on my shoulders and not involving other people in the process of helping me determine next steps. And so anytime I operate in a box or in isolation, that's not really a good space for me. Mm -hmm. It's better for me to engage with others to help me catapult to the next level. Yeah. I think that's a really cool failure to highlight. And I love how you kind of start off by saying the failure wasn't not having a job after college sometimes that's out of a student's control especially when we're in COVID right now some industries are just truly not hiring as much as they used to but the failure was putting the pressure all on yourself and the responsibility all on your shoulders to find your job Um, I think we've talked about this in other podcasts before that there are so many different resources either through the Career Center here at Purdue through networking and getting to know others, or even being proactive while you're still in school that could help you prepare for life after college. So I think that's just a really cool point to kind of highlight. And also that it's it's okay not to have a job right out of college. You are, as you said, your title and you listed everything out. You live and work for job searching and helping students finding their job. And even you had problems. And I think that just kind of normalizes the situation that sometimes you have to have a time of searching, but there's definitely some ways to be very proactive and very efficient during that time. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, Jordan. Awesome. Well, Veronica, I wanted to say again, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it's so helpful just to kind of walk through all the steps and identifying what behavioral-based questions are, and how students should approach them. So I hope everyone who's listening has kind of gotten that inspiration to start writing down their own stories 
reaching out to the CCO or even just friends around them to kind of help them best prepare themselves for their interviews to come. So thank you again. Hey, would you be willing to do us a favor? If you enjoyed today's show, can you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? I promise it will only take a quick second and your review will help iTunes recommend our show to other listeners. Again, I cannot say enough how grateful we are for your support. I would also like to invite you to follow us on social media. Give us a follow at Purdue CCO on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to stay up to date on all upcoming workshops, events, and career fairs. As always, feel free to set up an appointment online to meet with one of our consultants to discuss your resume and interviewing skills. You could also meet with one of our career counselors to discuss a career plan, to discuss your major, and so much more. Visit our website at cco.purdue.edu for more information. That's all we have for today. I'm Jordan Ingram, and thank you for tuning in to the Success Express.